Drake and Kendrick Lamar have been lobbing some serious accusations at each other. You've probably heard the diss tracks and wondered, what's just a low blow and what's actually criminal? I'm Brittany Luce, host of It's Been a Minute from NPR, and I'm getting into what's art and what's worthy of criminal investigation and who those accusations hurt the most. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. America, build back better. Build front best. I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host, a man who has a thing right after this. So if we could please hurry it along, that'd be great. It's Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. And thanks to everybody who helped me all along the way. Later on, we're going to be talking to RZA, who founded the Wu-Tang Clan, revolutionized hip-hop. He's written books, scored movies, made movies. He's now made an Emmy-nominated TV series about his own life. Next, he says he's interested in pursuing comedy, and we will try to convince him to leave at least one little thing for the rest of us. But first, we want to hear what worlds you have conquered, so give us a call. The number is one wait wait That's one 888 Now let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi there. Hi, who's this? <laughs> this is Anastasia McNabb from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Anastasia, you said? Yes. Uh, is that spelled like Anastasia? It is, but it's the Greek pronunciation. Oh, I Ooh. see. I see. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's a beautiful name. Uh, what do you do there? I am a quasi-retired preschool teacher who does some subbing and uh, makes cards and stickers and assorted artwork. Wait a minute. So you're like a tough old retired kindergarten teacher and they brought you back in for one last job? <laughs> no, I'm like a, a lazy. <laughs> Wait, that's me. I'm also a retired preschool teacher who is lazy. We have so much in common. I know. It's wonderful. <laughs> well, welcome to our show, Anastasia. Let me introduce you to our panel. First, a comedian and host of the podcast, Fake the Nation. She's co-hosting Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. It's Nagin Farsad. Anastasia, hey. Hi there. Next, he's a writer and producer for Jesus and Marrow and Showtime and the host of the podcast, Make My Day. It's Josh Gondelman. Hello. Hi there. And finally, a comedian whose stand-up album, Party Nights, is available everywhere. Welcome back, Emmy Blotnick. Hey, uh, nice to see you. Do you like that? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. You're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis, of course, is going to read you three quotations from this week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain just two of them, you will win our prize. Any voice from our show you might choose in your voicemail. You ready to play? I am. Well, let's do it then. Here's your first quote. It's from a senator who was asked where she stands on crucial legislation. I'm standing in front of the elevator. That was Senator Kristen Cinema of Arizona, who refuses to say what she thinks about what bill? Uh, the, the infrastructure. Um... You know, good enough. Good enough. The infrastructure is, <laughs> uh, I think, the official name. We also would have accepted reconciliation or build back better or the debt ceiling. And we would have accepted I have no idea. <gasps> Because the death of we American don't know democracy. Either. We don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is, apparently it's come down to Kristen Cinema, who to this point has been pretty much known only as the senator who seems to dress entirely in clothing purchased at art museum gift shops. But now she's the most important person in the country and nobody knows what she wants. She won't say. 
It's always inspiring to see a female leader who's willing to fight for her principles. And with cinema, we got one out of two. Even Elizabeth Warren was like, nevertheless, stop persisting. (laughs) (laughs) I need to ask this, but can any of you explain what the hell is going on? There's like a thruple of bills <laughs> that like. Oh, you, you had to bring ha- polyamory into it. Jeez, it, that too. And, and there you have to like, if you want to like be in a relationship with them, they have to. It has to be together, and they right. like they all have to agree. Is what yeah. I understand. So are um, you saying uh, if you want to be their lover, you have gotta get with their friends? Is that kind <laughs> of? Is- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now, now, Senator Cinema is paired with West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. Mm. He's the other holdout. And like all great celebrity couples, Benefer, Brangelina, they have a nickname, Manchinema, which sounds like something painful you have to do before a colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. I was up all night with a Manchin enema before, you know, going in for the procedure. Now, <laughs> I, I do feel like they should. It's right there. They've got to call themselves Sinchin, which I know sounds like a nickname for a goatee, but yes. I do think it would work for that. Sinchin. That's a soul patch. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It yeah. is a soul patch. <laughs> Nobody knows exactly what Senator Cinema wants, but with Senator Manchin, we all know what he wants is cuts. Instead of providing dental coverage, for example, Medicare will just encourage people to floss. And instead of childcare subsidies in the bill, the government will just send all working parents old Arthur DVDs they can park their kids in front of. Uh, well, to my earlier point, I believe Kristen Cinema really, really, really wants to zig a zig. Anything you put in front of Joe Manchin, he wants to downsize. I think he probably, if he could, would change his name from Joe Manchin to Joe Tastefully Large House. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Your next quote is from NBA player Robin Lopez. I'm still not sure that Milwaukee's actually won the championship. I wasn't there. There's got to be some kind of proof. I'm going to do my own research and figure out if they won it. Lopez was rather dryly making fun of some of his fellow NBA players who are, quote, doing their own research and refusing to do what? Uh, Take the COVID test or um, get vaccinated. Exactly right. Get vaccinated. As the third NBA season of the COVID era is about to begin, many of the biggest stars are saying they won't take the vaccine. It really doesn't make any sense. Basketball uniforms are tailor-made for getting shots, right? I need you to roll up your sleeves. Oh, never mind. It's, It's amazing because prior to this, they were the example the other leagues turned to in how to have sports during COVID. The NBA bubble, remember, Disney World, big success. But now a lot of players are saying they won't get vaccinated. They're afraid of what might happen. The most concerning news is that Derek Rose got the vaccine and it immediately tore his ACL. (laughs) (laughs) He's fragile. Maybe we need to have like a a shot clock, like (laughs) counts down from (laughs) you insert the basketball number that the shot clock counts down from. 24. It's 24 seconds. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do want to say, and this might not go anywhere funny, but I do think it is awesome that the WNBA is at 99% vaccination. I think sometimes people overlook that because the NBA is at 90%, WNBA is at 99%. So if you want to watch... Uh, a game where you feel less worried about WNBA playoffs happening now. Well, it is great. Some years from now, people were saying WNBA, so much better. It's a much more team-oriented game, a lot more passing, and most of the players are still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Much more passing, much less transmission. I think that is like a really nice... (laughs) 
All right, Anastasia, here is your last quote. It is from an L.A. real estate developer named Niall Niami. It's very important that we bring the world together, rich and poor, black and white. It doesn't matter, and I hope that this does it. Mr. Niami was hoping that he'd bring the world together with something that is now driving him into bankruptcy, the most expensive what ever built. Wow. I mean, is it a house? Is it, a- it is the house. It is. Oh, okay. Great news for people who are looking for a bargain. It's a 150,000 square foot, nine bedroom mansion on a hilltop in LA. It was expected to sell for $500 million, but it's now been seized by the lender. So you should be able to pick it up for a mere hundred million. The house is so big that instead of foreclosure, they call it five closure. <laughs> um, the mansion was called The One by its now bankrupt developer. It was supposed to be the ultimate in luxury living. It's got a 4,000 square foot master bedroom with its own pool. It's got an IMAX home theater seating for dozens, tiered infinity pools, and quarters for your servants, servants, servants. There is a 50 car garage. You're, you're basically buying your personal mall of America. Honestly, 50-car garage. This person would be crossing their fingers. Jay Leno wants to move into a new house. I know. House. <laughs> totally. Leno, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. <laughs> or it's going to be an airport. <laughs> I live in an apartment where you can touch every point of the apartment with your foot sitting down. Like, that's where, that's what I understand. How many legs would I need to live in that apart, in that house and touch it has, everything? It has seven it's- pools, Nagin. I get exhausted just thinking about maintaining affairs with seven different pool boys. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only place you're talking about bed. Uh, so every place has a bedroom and a bathroom. This is the only house I've ever heard of that actually has a beyond room. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Anastasia do on our quiz? Anastasia did well. Three and oh, she's a winner. Congratulations. Oh, she wins the house. <laughs> yeah, move in. The way this poor guy is going, I would not be surprised if he actually tried to offer it as our prize. Congratulations, <laughs> Anastasia. It's a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. My pleasure. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Emmy, Elizabeth Holmes, the founder of the now bankrupt company Theranos, is on trial in California for fraud. And no matter what happens to her, it cannot be worse than what happened to her this week when her what were read aloud in open court. Um, her texts. Is that... <laughs> That's right. Is that That's Oh my gosh, Miss Holmes, what are you doing on this Zoom? Yes, oh, her so specifically really her good. love texts to her boyfriend and one time co-defendant. Holmes' defense is that her business and one time romantic partner Sonny Balwani somehow manipulated in her into committing all this fraud. Well, if he did, he did not do it with sweet talk, according <laughs> at least to these cringy love texts they exchanged. For example, this is one that Elizabeth wrote to Sonny. You are the breeze in desert for me, my water and ocean, meant to be only together, tiger. And and how does Balwani respond to that? Quote, okay. Not even a period, oh, wow. just just wow. the letters. Okay. Wow. And, and, and it gets worse. It gets it's so embarrassing. It gets worse. At one point it's she so texts, quote, madly in love with you and your strength. And he responded to that with, quote, I am tired today. Ooh. Oh man. 
This yes, he is desert. That guy really is not bringing much. <laughs> Wait, were the were the texts about fraud? Were those also in poem form? <laughs> no, I wish <laughs> that would be. I lied to Walgreens, Tiger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our, our accounting is a is a mosaic of imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, what once was lost has now been found in our Bluff the Listener game. Call one triple eight wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Stearns & Foster. To Stearns & Foster, your comfort is their everything. So they've made a mattress that's irresistible inside and out. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted. Every stitch, every layer uses the finest materials like indulgent memory foam and ultra-conforming IntelliCoils for the coziness you want with the support you need. Timeless quality for your most comfortable sleep. Stearns & Foster, what comfort should be. More at StearnsAndFoster.com. Numbers that explain the economy. We love them at The Indicator from Planet Money. And on Fridays, we discuss indicators in the news, like job numbers, spending, the cost of food, sometimes all three. So my indicator is about why you might need to bring home more bacon to afford your eggs. I'll be here all week. Wrap up your week and listen to The Indicator podcast from NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. The NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Emmy Blotnick, Josh Gondelman, and Nagin Forsad. And here again is your host, a man who spent the break thinking long and hard about what he did. Peter Sagal. Thank you so much, Bill. Right now it is time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one triple eight wait wait to play our game in the air. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Dylan Manderlink calling from Palmer, Alaska. Dylan from Palmer, Alaska. Where is Palmer in Alaska? Um, it's about 45 minutes north of Anchorage. I see. And what do you do there? I am a graduate student at Alaska Pacific University, and I also work at a kombucha bar on the side. You were, Of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. Is, is, is kombucha big in Alaska? Like your big kombucha drinkers up there? Um, not really, but I think they're pretty become kombucha drinkers. <laughs> really? And how often do you have to deal with an angry customer who's been there for three hours and finally realizes that kombucha is not alcoholic? <laughs> that happens more often than you probably think, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Dylan. You're going to play the game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Dylan's topic? 146 years. Something was lost exactly 146 years ago, and I'm not just talking about the Battle of Gundet. Thanks, Wikipedia. Anyway, now the missing thing that was lost has just been found. Our panelists are going to tell you the story. Pick the one who's telling the truth. You will win the voice of the wait waiter of your choice in your voicemail. Are you ready to do this? Absolutely. All right. First, let's hear from Emmy Blotnick. Have you ever encountered a bird's nest so large you thought, hey, is there room for me in there? That was the case this week when wildlife experts in Philadelphia were called in to dismantle a massive generations-old bird's nest. Uh, they were surprised to discover, embedded deep within the tornado of twigs and leaves, a gentleman's toupee. The hairpiece <laughs> has since been identified as that belonging to Edwin Booth, brother of the famously rude theater patron, John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> it was carried away by a crow during an open-air performance of Macbeth 
a name that theater people now consider bad luck. So, while we still don't know how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, thanks for nothing, Mr. Owl, we do know that a toupee makes a great addition to a historic multifamily bird chateau. All right. Edwin Booth's missing toupee, found as part of an enormous historical bird's nest. Your next story of Better Late Than Never Find comes from Nagin Farsad. Peter Weller died in Lansing, Michigan in 1849 and was buried in the Oak Park Cemetery, where he probably expected to remain forever. A few years later, though, he was transferred to uh, Mount Hope Cemetery and his beautiful marble gravestone went missing. What happened to it? Had it been stolen? Who would want a marble gravestone with the name Peter Weller on it unless it was someone also named Peter Weller who also <laughs> lived and died at exactly the same time? But now, nearly two centuries later, it has finally turned up in the most obvious place. Peter Weller's tombstone has been used as a surface for making fudge in some random lady's kitchen. The details on how this random lady acquired the headstone are still a bit mysterious, but I'm guessing she was walking home one day and tripped over a tombstone in the middle of the sidewalk. I mean, those pesky things will just roll out of a cemetery. You can hardly keep them in place, you know? Now that it's been found, it's been returned to the cemetery so Peter Weller can finally rest in fudgy peace. A marble tombstone being used to make delicious fudge for God knows how many years. Your last story of a long-term lost and found item comes from Josh Gondelman. The body of Tree Stump the Plunderer washed ashore in Key West in 1872. But when his corpse was found, it was missing the pirate's most famous appendage. Yes, the machete that served as his left hand remained lashed to his wrist with palm fronds, and his prosthetic coconut shell butt cheeks were still stuck to the backs of his legs as they had been since he lost his original butt in an attempted mutiny by his crew. But the wooden leg that gave Tree Stump his name had disappeared, presumably lost forever to the briny deep. That is, his leg was presumably lost until recently. It turns out the people of Key West were in possession of it all along, but they'd been using it as a baseball bat. That's right. The annual Key West Seaside Classic takes place on the beach, and every hitter has used the same reclaimed wood bat since the first match in 1878. The discovery was made when criminals used the bat in a gator hatchery theft in 2018. A DNA test failed to identify the perpetrators, but turned up results consistent with organic matter found on Tree Stump's coconut butt. Since then, <laughs> it has become tradition for a batter to point at the sea, thanking the spirit of Tree Stump, every time they drive in an RBI in the Seaside Classic. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. All right, anyway. <laughs> yeah. That only makes me prouder. <laughs> <laughs> so here are your choices, Dylan. Something was lost, and now it is found. Is it from Emmy Edwin Booth's toupee, lost for years and discovered built into a bird's nest, from Nagin Farsad, a missing marble gravestone that had been used, it turns out, to make fudge, you know, Fudge, or from Josh Gondelman, a pirate's wooden leg that ended up being the traditional baseball bat for an annual baseball game in Key West, Florida. Which of these is the real item that was lost and discovered in an odd place? Wow. Um, <laughs> I really want all of them to be true, but I think I'm going to go with Nagin's with the fudge and the tombstone. The fudge in the tombstone, because there's no fudge like tombstone fudge. Yeah. All right. Well, to bring you the real story, we spoke to somebody who is responsible for returning this thing to its proper place. It was in the home of a family in Okemos who had developed the habit of using this white marble slab to make fudge. 
That was Loretta Stanaway, president of Friends of Lansing Historic Cemeteries, an organization that has dis- rediscovered the tombstone and is it returning to the grave of Mr. Peter Weller. Congratulations, <laughs> Dylan. You got it right. You earned a point for Nagin Farsad. You have won our prize, the voice Thanks, of your choice Dylan. in your voicemail. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dylan. Thank you. And now the game where very cool people are asked about lukewarm topics. It's called Not My Job. One way to judge how interesting somebody's life has been is to ask, would it make for a good TV show? By that standard, the Riz's life has been amazing. The show about his life growing up in the projects of Staten Island back when he was Bobby Diggs, the show's called Wu-Tang, an American Saga, was nominated for an Emmy and is now starting its second season. He joins us now. Rizza, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Peace, peace, peace. Live in the building. Wherever I'm at, thanks for inviting me. Uh, it is a pleasure to have you in our little virtual space here. So I've been watching uh, the TV show this week, getting ready to talk to you. Let me ask you this. Was it weird or strange to like reenact your own youth? I mean, it's a dramatization, right, of, of true events. Uh, you know, some things are embellished and some things are actually dampened so that we don't really give you the whole story to you know it's because it's worse than what you than what you saw yeah you know you think about our lyrics you know you hear a lot of harsh lyrics a lot of uplifting lyrics as well knowledge of self and all these things and so the show just is a kind of like a visual replication of our lyrics yeah i totally get that it's also i have to say this a really good tv show and i was i shouldn't have been Surprised to find out that in addition to producing and scoring the show, you wrote it, at least the episodes I saw. Uh, did, did you have, I mean, you've taught yourself so many things I know in your life. Did you have to go out and teach yourself how to write TV? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I read a book. I think it's called Sid Phil Screenplay. Yeah, yeah. Famous book. Yeah. Yeah. So I read that book maybe about, mm, I don't know, 10, 12, maybe 15 years ago. I was, yeah. a, I was advised by uh, a friend of mine named Sophia Chang. And she kind of, she may have gave me that book. And I didn't read it until uh, Quentin Tarantino told me also, you should write. Because writing lyrics and writing songs are microcosms to the macrocosm that you could get from a whole TV show or a whole film. Right. Is there, again, just looking at your career, where you came from and what you've done, is there anything you found out you can't do? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's a few things. I, first of all, I couldn't swim until a couple of years ago. Okay, really? <laughs> okay. Uh, no, you know, look, we all got our limitations. I don't drive. You don't? Wait a minute. You don't drive? It, it, it ain't that I. It ain't that I can't drive. My wife won't let me drive. Right? Really? Why? <laughs> she says I can't drive. Really? <laughs> why I can't you? Why can't you drive? I just, uh, I don't know. I thought I could, you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling vaguely better. Uh, we, we heard, I mean, you are into so many things and so good at many of them, but we did hear you have an, I will say, an unexpected enthusiasm. Tell me if it's true for HGTV. Yeah, who told you that? Uh, <laughs> I have, I have a very talented producer whose job it is, is to research our guests. And until this very moment, I thought she was pranking me. No, that's 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 like me and my wife' favorite pastime, yo. Really, <laughs> we fall asleep to HGTV. That's like at the end of the night, watch everything, turn to HGTV, and bong bong. Do you have like a favorite show? Are you a Property Brothers guy? I mean, oh, the Property Brothers rule, baby. <laughs> really, <laughs> I watch them. <laughs> I 
I feel like we're very close to the collaboration, the song Pabreem, Property Brothers Rule Everything Around Me. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're dope. Love and Alyssa, it is dope. I mean, look, we were so into invested, uh, flip it. Yeah. Yeah, when they broke up, yeah, when they broke up the, 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 uh, the couple. Wait a minute. So, okay. So this is a show called Flip It and it was hosted by this married couple. Yeah. When they broke up, it was like, that was like dinner table talk at my house. Like, yo, <laughs> then they going to get back together. Then they got back together. I don't want to say their names, but I know what you can say in this world. Right. But then they get back together and they back doing the show again, but they're not married no more. Mm-hmm. They, they did a Wu-Tang move. The show must go on. I agree. <laughs> so, I mean... Do you, uh, the problem with watching HDTV is like <laughs> the problem with watching HDTV. You get eventually, <laughs> you get eventually dissatisfied with your own house, right? That's what happens to me. Too much, I, I envy too much. Well, too you much. can also find a nice lamp. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a. That's how I'm going to think about everything in my life from yeah, now on. Yeah, yeah, Whenever I feel point. inadequate, I'm just going to shrink everything really small, think about what's within my control, and whatever the nice lamp is in that situation, I'm going to find my nice lamp. <laughs> I I am going to, I, I tell you, because I got to say, watching the TV show is a high-stress experience. You don't know what's going to happen to Bobby, and I, I'm just going to tell myself, it's okay, the last episode, he's going to be in bed with his wife, looking at HDTV and going, that's a nice lamp. <laughs> And all will be well. I like that. I got to ask, only because everything you become interested in, you master, are you going to like do a home renovation show? No, but we got a, we got an ongoing joke. We, got, we do got an on. I, mean, I hope my wife will get mad if I say this. I got to check on my wife, you know what I mean? But we got an ongoing, an ongoing joke in our house. We bought our second house. So, we, you know, and, you know, but before we bought the second house, we went to a lot of houses. Sure. So we would walk in and we'll look around and we'll go back home and go, the digs. They look, <laughs> they walk in, but they don't buy. <laughs> meet, the, meet the father. Meet the conservative father. I don't know. I need more square feet. I need more square feet. The excited wife. Oh, honey, this is so lovely. The, the, the don't want to be their son. Can we leave, mom? And the entitled daughter. Oh, the master suite. This is my room, right? <laughs> and we, that was going on in our house. Well, that's like our ongoing joke. But anyway. Oh, that is that is amazing and weirdly comforting. Uh, we're having too much fun. But Riza, we have invited you here to play a game that this time we're calling Wu-Tang. <laughs> so you're the founder of Wu-Tang Clan. But we, so we thought we'd ask you about Tang. That's the vaguely orange-flavored breakfast drink. Okay. Answer two to three questions about Tang. You'll win our prize for one of our listeners. You remember Tang, right? The astronaut's beverage? Yeah, great morning breakfast. Yes, sir. Ovaltine and Tang. Never forget them. All right. Bill, who is RZA playing for? Andrew Roberts of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. All right. Here's your first question. Tang, of course, became famous as the favorite drink of astronauts. For example, what did Buzz Aldrin, the second man on the moon, once say about Tang? Did he say, quote, we're drinking our own recycled pee. Of course you want to add sugar. B, quote, Tang sucks. Or C, quote, I'll say anything tastes good if you pay me enough. Wow. I'm going to go with A. You're going to go with A. We're drinking your own recycled pee. Of course you want to add sugar. (laughs) I'm going with it. (laughs) I'm going with A. I, I admire you. No, the answer was B, Tang sucks. We've kind of fooled you because 
in the Apollo missions, they didn't have the technology to recycle pee yet. Oh, nice, so, nice trick right. question there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry about that. You still have two more, <laughs> you have two more chances. Um, using Tang in the space program wasn't without challenges, such as when which of these happened? A, initially NASA planned to hydrate astronauts with a, quote, Tang enema, but the astronauts refused. B, one astronaut's spacewalk was ruined by a, quote, life-threatening Tang leak inside his helmet. Or C, a pilot program on Apollo 8 in which they asked the astronauts to snort the powdered drink up their noses to save the weight of water. Wow. This is, these are tough questions, first of all, brother. <laughs> that, well, you know, you're a master, man. I'm going to go with C. You're going to go with C. So they asked them to snort, <laughs> to snort the powder. You got, you got to go. You in space, baby. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're, you're going to stick with that is what I'm getting. You no, know what? That's for the person who want to win something. <laughs> so I give them a chance and say, A? A. Uh, the Tang Enema? <laughs> no, I got it. I got it. No, I'm sorry. My final, my, my final answer, my final, my final answer is B. Yes, B, Rizzo. Yeah. <laughs> It was in his helmet, and the tang is, like, floating around his helmet, and they found out later that if it had, like, touched any electrical wires, it could have, like, set his spacesuit on fire. All right, last question. You get this right, you win. By the 2000s, of course, tang no longer part of the space program, so instead of astronauts, their commercials featured what? A, a bunch of sad people experiencing something called existential tangst. B, orangutans drinking tang. Or C, David Hasselhoff holding up a glass of the stuff and saying, it's also big in Germany. Ooh, I'm going with C. Mm-hmm. You're just going right for the Hasselhoff, right <laughs> for the Hoff. I guess the question is, and you, you know, you've been around, you know how these things work. Do you think that knowing that David Hasselhoff endorsed your product would make you want to drink it? Um, no, I think if it was your astronaut and he did it, it'd make you not want to drink it. That's true. Mm-hmm. You're going to go for it. You're going to stick with Hassel. You stick with the Hoff, as I believe. No, 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 no. What did I say again? You said I... you said C. The other choices were uh, existential tanks or orangutans drinking tang. Oh, the orangutans drinking That's tang. That's it. It was the orangutans, of course. Orangutans drinking tang. I, I love that story. Look, I didn't realize that at some point NASA decided tang ain't nothing to f*** with. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's when they add woo to it. That's when the woo came in. There you go. (laughs) Bill, how did Rizza do in our quiz? Woo, Tang, you got two out of three, which means a win. (laughs) Congratulations, Rizza. Thank you. Season two of Wu-Tang, an American saga, is streaming on Hulu now. It is an extraordinarily gripping TV show. Thank God we know it ends up okay. Rizza, thank you so much. An absolute honor to talk to you. Take up some of your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for being on Wait, Wait. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you. In just a minute, bada-bing, bada-boom, it's the Listener Limerick Challenge. Call one wait wait to join us in the air. We'll be back in a minute with more Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Every weekday, NPR's best political reporters come to you on the NPR Politics Podcast to explain the big news coming out of Washington, the campaign trail, and beyond. We don't just want to tell you what happened. We tell you why it matters. Join the NPR Politics Podcast every single afternoon to understand the world through political eyes. It's Been a Minute is a culture show you don't want to miss. Every week, we help you see the culture angle behind the headlines, the forces behind the trends, and the thinkers behind the next big thing. Tune in for the sharp cultural analysis and captivating interviews. 
Listen now to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR. On the TED Radio Hour, in the middle school cafeteria, Ty Tashiro always sat with his equally nerdy buddies. The socially awkward kids who were the furthest thing from cool. And he often wondered, Why am I so socially awkward and what am I going to do about that? Now Ty is a psychologist and expert on awkwardness, and he has some answers. That's on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. For the seventh year on the Code Switch podcast, conversations about race and identity go way beyond the day's headlines. Because we know what's part of every person is part of every story. We're bringing that perspective with new episodes every week. Listen on the Code Switch podcast from NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Nagin Farsad, Josh Gondelman, and Emmy Blotnick. And here again is your host, a man, a recent performance review called Occasionally on Time for Meetings. It's Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill builds a rhyme shackle house. In our listener limerick challenge game. If you'd like to play, give us a call, one triple eight wait wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. But right now, panel, it is time for a game that once upon a time we called The Trump Dump. Good news, folks. Donald Trump is back. There's a juicy new book out by one of his, I think, seventeen former press secretaries, and we're going to ask you about what we learned from it. As always, rapid fire, true, false style. Get your answer right. You get a point. You ready to play? Here we go. We're going to rocket through these. Emmy, true or false? When Donald Trump would get angry, there was an aide whose job it was to play memory from the musical Cats to calm him down. Oh, that's true. It is true. Josh, true or false? When Trump met with Vladimir Putin in 2019, Putin would dangle shiny objects in front of him to distract him. False? It is false. Instead, Putin brought a, quote, attractive brunette to be his translator in order to distract Trump. Nagin, true or false, Trump once asked this press secretary to reenact his perfect phone call with the Ukrainian president for the press and, quote, do both of the voices. True. Yes. Emmy, true or false, when the Stormy Daniels scandal broke, Trump brought a press aide into his office to tell her it wasn't true. It's worse than that. But yes, true, right? No, it is false. He brought her in to tell her his penis was not, in fact, shaped like a toadstool. Like a toadstool. <laughs> like a toadstool. <laughs> Nagin, true or false? When Trump got a colonoscopy at Walter Reed, he refused anesthesia because he didn't want to look weak. No, oh, true. That's so true. No, it's it's false. He refused it because he didn't want Pence to be acting president even for half an hour. <laughs> Emmy, That's true funny. or false, we're willing to believe all these stories from people who we would not have listened to for a second while they were working for Trump. Because it's really fun. Oh, oh that, that that's true for sure. It is true, believe, yes. You gotta believe in the waking colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the latest edition of our Trump Dump. And if there is a God in heaven, it will be the last one. Now it's time for some more questions from the week's news. Nagin, the Heinz Corporation unveiled a new invention this week to make it easier to do what? Wait, the Heinz Corporation? You know them, Heinz Ketchup. They have unveiled a new product. It's an invention. They came up with They're selling it. It's all designed to make it easier to do what? To get the ketchup out of the bottle. So close. Not the bottle, but something else. Oh, to 
to open the jar in which your ketchup resides. Have you never been to like a McDonald's drive-thru? Oh, to um right to like give have to go ketchup. Which come in little squirty packets. <laughs> squirty packets, yes! <laughs> this is a device designed to get all the ketchup out of the squirty packet. It's okay. this it's like this clamp. Is, it, is that device called just your human fingers? <laughs> no, no, no. It's 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 shaped like a little ketchup bottle because it's adorable, uh-huh. but it's essentially like one of those ringers that old old timey washer tubs have. And you put in the, there's a little razor that you use to open up the packet. Then you put it in and you crank it and it squeezes all the um, ketchup right out of there, right onto your shirt. So it like saves the trouble. (laughs) Was this um, like an issue that was vexing Americans that they couldn't get the pack? Because I just want to say, I've been with these squirty packages my whole life. The ones that we've known from my childhood. Yeah. I, I have to say, I always got the ketchup out of them. But you keep it in a jar, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. All of us really wondered about that. It sounded, <laughs> frankly, like, oh, your ketchup jar? Like that slip that the spy <laughs> makes? Ah, Nagin's never had oh, ketchup. she's been putting pasta sauce <laughs> on her burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Nagin dumps her fries in ragu. <laughs> I think, I mean, food waste is a huge problem, but it doesn't seem like the place to start is with the smallest quantities of food waste. <laughs> like, hey, uh, if 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 we save the, just like a campaign with celebrities, like if you just save the bottom of your ketchup packet in, uh, every time you get ketchup packets for one year, you will have almost one whole ketchup packet at the end of that year. <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fell in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight wait wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four, or click the contact us link on our website waitwait.npr.org, or you can follow us at wait wait on Twitter and at wait wait npr on Instagram to get more wait wait in your life. Well, on your phone, which is your life, fun. Hi, you're on wait wait. Don't tell me. Hi, this is Carolyn Matthews Doubt from Lebanon, New Hampshire. That's great, Carolyn. Nice to talk to you. What do you do there in Lebanon? Um, I'm a designer, but I'm actually currently just um, hiking. I'm on the Appalachian Trail, so I guess unemployed. <laughs> really? Are you near the beginning of the trail or near the end? No, I'm currently in Virginia, so I've, I've hiked 1,500 miles. Wow. Wait a minute. You are calling us from the Appalachian Trail? I am. I'm calling you from a remote campsite on a ridge in Virginia. Um, what are you doing for food? Um, I'm just eating lots of ramen and Snickers. <laughs> Sounds awesome, frankly. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Carolyn. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly in two of the limericks, you will be a winner. You ready to play? I'm ready. All right. Here is your first limerick. Tough love, mental health care providers. Say I must face my fears of web gliders. They filter JPEGs to add bugs with eight legs. In these pics, I am covered with... Spiders? Yes! Yes. There is a new augmented reality app on the market that claims to cure anybody's fear of spiders. The app is called Phobis. 
It's pretty straightforward. You open the app, you point your phone's camera at a surface in your home, and the app will show you that part of your house covered in spiders. And now you feel better. This is the wrong question to ask of someone who is in the wilderness for the indefinite future. That's true. (laughs) She doesn't need augmented reality app to find spiders. They're crawling on her right now. Yeah, she's Uh, enjoying reality (laughs) classic. So it walks you through 10 levels of intensity to get you accustomed to spiders, right? First is like like a little spider, and then there's a spider in the wall. And at the last level, level 10, you wake up in the morning and you have been somehow transformed into a giant spider. And then your family mistreats you. Kafka humor, everybody. Always, (laughs) always successful. All right, very good. Here is your next limerick, Carolyn. Some folks only deal with paisanos, then go fight with them, mano a mano. Since the New Jersey mob cannot finish the job, HBO will reboot the... Sopranos? Sopranos, yes. This week, HBO released a new Sopranos film, The Many Saints of Newark. Uh, The movie is actually a prequel following a young Tony Soprano as he grows from a young man into a full-fledged Italian stereotype. Uh, If you watch it, you will note that the actor playing young Tony Soprano looks exactly like a young James Gandolfini, who played him, of course, in the TV series, because he sort of is, he is James's son, Michael Gandolfini which is a great idea, and why don't we do it more often? Does Harrison Ford have a son? Because I would love to watch a new Indiana Jones movie without worrying about his hips. (laughs) (laughs) It's so much better than like the thing they did in The Irishman, right? Where they de-aged them? Where they de-aged them. Because they were just like slow dudes, but with hot faces. Like, that was weird. (laughs) You know, what's weird is is everybody is like, wow, this is amazing. There's, you know, David Chase, the genius behind The Sopranos. He's bringing us back into their lives when they were younger, as they were becoming the people that we enjoyed and watched. And everybody's like, this is an amazing act of artistic achievement. Guys, it's young Sheldon. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's the same thing. We should do this with all the great shows, though, like The Toddling Dead, Pony of East Town. Mad Boys. <laughs> Young Seinfeld. <laughs> Here is your last limerick. Wooden furniture strikes such a hard chord, but this upcycling makes me a starred lord. With boxes, I'm able to make chairs and tables. My furniture's made out of... Cardboard. Yes, yeah. cardboard. More and more people are interested in sustainable options for furniture, as made popular by the cardboard beds featured at this year's Olympics in Japan. People aren't really interested in the athletics. No, it's like, give us the part of the Olympics we can sleep on. So now you too at home can have a cardboard bed and the internet will light up with false stories about how it's to prevent you from having sex on it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when I was when I was in the market for a cheap, disposable bed that you didn't really have to care for. Nobody was stopping me from having sex except me. (laughs) The bed, if they saw the bed, that's better than I thought I was going to (laughs) do. Bill, how did Carolyn do in our quiz? Carolyn, you've got happy trails ahead. You got all three right. Congratulations. You are our first uh, long distance hiker winner. It's very exciting. Uh, Don't get eaten. (laughs) Wow. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. A pleasure to talk to you. Take care, Carolyn. Stay safe. Okay. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) 
From the campaigns to the conventions, from now through Election Day and beyond, the NPR Politics Podcast has you covered. As Joe Biden and Donald Trump square off again, we bring you the latest news from the trail and dive deep into each candidate's goals for a second term. Listen to the NPR Politics Podcast every weekday. The Bullseye Podcast is, according to one journalist, the, quote, kind of show people listen to in a more perfect world. So make your world more perfect. Every week, Bullseye puts the pop in culture, interviewing brilliant authors, musicians, actors, and novelists to keep you on your pop culture target. Listen to the Bullseye podcast, only from NPR and Maximum Fun. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill in the Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill in the blank questions as they can. Each correct answer now worth two points. Bill, could you please give me the scores? Emmy has three, Josh has four, and Nagin has four. All right, Emmy, you're in third place. You'll go first. Fill in the blank. On Tuesday, Pfizer submitted research that showed its blank was safe to use on kids. A vaccine. Right. On Monday, the USPS announced they were permanently slowing delivery time of blank class mail. First class mail. Yes. This week, Janet Yellen warned lawmakers that the U.S. would run out of blank in mid-October. Money. Yes. On Monday, a judge granted a release to John Hinckley, the man who tried to assassinate blank. Ronald Reagan. Yes. This week, a man in South Carolina was arrested after police searched his house and found a stolen blank in the bedroom. A gun? Stolen horse. After a (laughs) six-week trial, a jury found disgraced R&B star blank guilty of all charges. R. Kelly. Yes. On Wednesday, a judge suspended blank's father as her financial conservator. Oh, pretty Spears. Yes. An English church's annual Bureau Festival fundraiser called Controversy this year after festival goers were photographed blanking. Uh, flashing people? <laughs> no, using gravestones as tables. St. Mary's Catholic Church in the UK holds the beer fundraiser every year. But this is the first time they've held it in a graveyard. People were shocked when pictures were posted online showing the revelers using gravestones to hold their beers, they're right to be, because we all know that gravestones should be used for making fudge and nothing else. <laughs> Bill, how did Emmy do on our quiz? Well, she had six right for 12 more points. She now has 15 and the lead. All right. Eat my dust, Josh and Nagin. <laughs> ah, I hate dust. <laughs> Nagin and Josh are tied, so I'm going to arbitrarily pick Nagin to go first. Here we go. Fill in the blank. On Tuesday, several top generals called the U.S.'s withdrawal from blank a strategic failure. Afghanistan. Right. On Sunday, Germany's Social Democrat Party narrowly defeated the party led by outgoing Chancellor Blank. Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel, yes. This week, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a law making universal mail-in blanking permanent. Uh, Voting. Yes. On Tuesday, officials in North Korea said that they had tested a new hypersonic Blankle. Missile. Yes, this week a pothole in Puerto Rico was finally fixed after nearby residents blanked. Poured jelly in it. Threw it a fourth birthday party. According to a new report, (laughs) U.S. blank claims rose more than expected this month. Unemployment? Uh, Yes. On Wednesday, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service added 23 species to its list of blank animals. Extinct. Yeah, after a museum gave him $84,000 to recreate an old sculpture, a Danish artist instead delivered them two blank canvases that he said were a new work of art he titled Blank. Um, blank, literally. No, he titled it Take the Money and Run. (laughs) Though conceptual art can sometimes be hard to understand, the Danish artist perfectly explained his new work, saying, quote, I have taken their money. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, how did Nagin do on our quiz? 
Very close. She had six right for 12 more points. She now has 16, and by one, the lead. All right. So then how many does Josh Gondelman need to win this thing? Six to tie, seven to win. All right, Josh. This is for the game. Fill in the blank. On Monday, President Biden got his blank shot live on camera. Booster. Right. On Wednesday, the U.K. announced it was readying troops to help deal with a blank shortage in that country. Uh, Fuel. Yes. On Thursday, a Department of Justice watchdog uncovered widespread issues on blanks handling of surveillance warrants. The FBI? Yes. This week, several flights in Tokyo were delayed due to blank. Uh, Rain. No, a turtle moving really slowly across the runway. This week, pop star Shakira revealed that she had been attacked by wild blanks. Boars. Yes. On Tuesday, President Obama broke ground on his presidential library in blank. Chicago? Yes. This week, a man in Turkey joined a search party without realizing that the person they were looking for was blank. Him. Yes. The man was reported missing after he wandered off into the woods after a night drinking with his friends. He sobered up and noticed a search party walking around. He decided to join them, even though you have to admit it's a little creepy to join a search party looking for a man with your exact name and your physical description. Eventually, he figured it out, confessed who he was, and said to the search party, okay, now it's your turn to hide. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, did Josh Gondelman do well enough to win? He got six right for 12 more points. That gives him 16 Tied with Nagin as this week's champion. Yay! Yeah, you know what? We're all winners in my book. Except for Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not a winner. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> in just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists to predict what surprising provision will be hidden in the infrastructure bill once it passes. But first, let me tell you, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our house manager is Gianna Capadona. Our social media superstar is Emma Choi. BJ Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, Lillian King, and Nancy Seychow. Special thanks to Vinnie Thomas. Secondhand and possibly misremembered medical advice for our staff comes from Peter Gwynn. Technical direction is from Lorna White, her CFO is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse, our senior producer is Ian Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. Now, panel, what provision will be hidden in the infrastructure bill? Nagin Farsad. Uh, Joe Manchin wants to modernize West Virginia, so he wants to get in there an electric-powered coal plant. Emmy Blotnick budget for a uh, 2022 hot bods of congress calendar (laughs) and josh gondelman funding for one six foot long italian cold cut by party sub for the celebration that crosses the aisle baby (laughs) well if any of that happens we'll ask you about it on wait wait don't tell me thank you bill curtis thanks also to nagin farsan josh gondelman and emmy blotnick thanks to all of you for listening i'm peter sagel we'll see you next week This is NPR. There's a lot to stay on top of on any given day. You might have to break things down into smaller pieces in order to keep up. That's why we're introducing the new Consider This newsletter from NPR. Every weekday, we sift through all the day's news and bring you one big story in an easily skimmable format. So you become a mini expert on a major topic each day. Sign up for free at npr.org slash consider this newsletter. You care about what's happening in the world. Let State of the World from NPR keep you informed. Each day we transport you to a different point on the globe and introduce you to the people living world events. We don't just tell you world news, we take you there. And you can make this journey while you're doing the dishes or driving your car. State of the World podcast from NPR.
vital international stories every day. On the Code Switch podcast, conversations about race don't start and stop with the news cycle. We know that race is always relevant, and we have new topics, new voices, and new stories for you every single week. Listen to the Code Switch podcast from NPR.